Hello and welcome to another episode of Building Educator Capacity, a podcast by CISA2, where we strive to improve student learning by expanding the capacity of our school districts. I'm Mitchell Lilly, and I'm joined by my co-host, Phil Anderson. Hi, Mitchell. I'm really excited about today's podcast in particular. It really is all about creativity. It's a great one for us, right? As the marketing communications team, we're all about creativity. On today's episode, we have Beth Clark, our Senior Director of Digital Leadership and Learning, and she'll talk with a record-breaking eight guests on today's podcast. Beth is passionate about embracing digital tools in the classroom and also wants school districts to embrace creativity in every facet of student learning. And today we are joined by various members of the Arts and Technology Network, which is a community of people who are interested and passionate about the arts and learning. The members of this network include people in a variety of different professions, such as dance, media arts, music, theater, visual arts, and of course, educators. Everyone in the network supplies creativity and problem solving to many different situations. In total, this network has about 1,500 members. Joining us for today's podcast is Kathy Hookin, Rita Mortensen, Brendan McCann, Tim Needles, Jan Bjork, Jesse Erickson, Carrie Parrish, Casita Lynn. The panel will discuss what is their definition of creativity? Is creativity found in only art, music, and special courses? How do we cultivate creativity in classrooms? And the panel will share some pretty interesting stories. super excited to be with this group of creative people today and you know on this topic of creativity I decided to look up on the internet to see what the definition was I'm like okay so you know what is creativity so here's one example from a company called creative at work and uh, it says creativity is the act of turning new imaginative ideas into reality Creativity is characterized by the ability to perceive the world in new ways, to find hidden patterns, to make connections between seemingly unrelated phenomena, and to generate solutions. Creativity involves two processes, thinking, then producing. If you have ideas but don't act on them, you are imaginative but not creative. Do you think this is true, their definition? So with that in mind, how do you all define creativity? It was really interesting to me with the two processes. I never really put that together. What do you all think? Hi, this is Jesse. In my mind, I would define creativity more as a mindset. It's an openness to look at things differently from a different perspective, to problem solve, to create, to innovate, to make something new and better. I really think that this last year, any educator in the classroom had to be creative. <laughs> they had to learn how to navigate a whole new landscape in educating their learners. And so um, in my mind, is that openness to try new things, to innovate and explore. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that the truth? That innovation that's happening just in this past year has been amazing. And the creativity that you're seeing, we're seeing it all over Facebook groups, right? I mean, we're seeing it, everybody is sharing, have you tried this? I've tried that. Super amazing. I love that idea of a mindset too. That's great. This is Jean, if I could just add. um, I also think a lot of times creativity um, seems like it's the special thing that only certain people have. 
but you know, we're all born creative. Um, as children, we are creative. Our brains seek creativity. They see um, the brain wants to make new connections and it's attracted to things that are novel, things that are innovative. So as children, we have this natural curiosity that leads to creativity. We play a lot. Um, and I think it's through play that we can be creative. Um, and so as we get older, it's harder and harder to find time for play. Um, our lives are so routine and they're so you know, connected to you have to do this, you have to do that. And so giving ourselves time for that, um, that playfulness and that curiosity, I think that can be a huge part of education. Absolutely. I was just actually, I was going to talk about this later, but there's a podcast out there from John Spencer too. And he talks about that curiosity and how it leads to play and creativity and how, um, how important that is for any age that sometimes we forget as adults how important that play is. So I just really appreciate you bringing that up. That's really important. It's Carrie. Um, I just wanted to jump in um, and kind of piggyback off of what um, Jean said about finding time to kind of be creative and be curious. When I think about creativity, I think a lot about what you said with that first definition and looking at it kind of through those two lenses. But I think as educators, we have to teach kids how to be curious and what does that look like? Um, at least by the time they get to the high school level for me, they might not really know what that looks like. And I think it's our job to kind of start to educate them to look at that. So in my class, we talk a lot about the creative process, um, which is one lens. And because you can kind of tackle a problem through many different avenues creatively, whether it's an arrangement of words, it's arrangement of notes, even numbers on a page, that creative process can be very different but I, I think we need to teach kids that that creative process is creative. Um, but then there's also that creative end product, right? I think there's two different lenses that we need to kind of look through when we talk about creativity. That's so interesting because when you, when you say that, you think the process, sometimes the process, that creative process is more important than the product, right? And it's, it's going through that whole process. And then at other times that product is super important. So um, that's very interesting, those two pieces and to keep that in mind and that intentionality to get them to understand there is a creative process even to have exposure to that. This is Brendan here. I just wanted to, again, kind of jump in on, on something that maybe Carrie said and Jean said, and, and even back to your initial definition of kind of separating the imagine, uh, the imagination versus, you know, creativity. And I think, um, you know, for some kids, especially again, as Carrie said, as you get to the high school level, you may still have that imagination, but it's almost like you don't have the courage to put it out there and have other people see it. So I think, again, as educators, uh, helping students to overcome those challenges that they have within to, to like try and actually make their ideas happen um, is, you know, one way that you can help kind of nurture the creativity for the kids and, you know, help them feel a little bit more encouraged that their ideas do matter and that, you know, they can kind of pull them out and actually make them happen. Thank you. I wanted to jump in real quick um, and add to, add to what Brendan said um, and Carrie. I also believe that at the high school level, um, creativity may like can it can it can decrease 
Um, I've taught high school level before. And I think that um, sometimes there can be too, like a lot of emphasis, if, if you all agree, there can be a lot of emphasis on the technical skill um, of a piece, you know, and, and so sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, what, you know, how much, how much weight is being given to, you know, the creative part, um, the imagination. Yeah, I, and it depends on, it depends on who you ask, right? Um, so it's, I think it helps for, you know, it helps for teachers to, if teachers feel, feel comfortable being creative, I think that will help their students. Yes, absolutely. The whole modeling of creativity, right? And even being vulnerable and putting things out kind of like what Brendan was saying too. So like, how do we uh, model that in our classrooms as a, an administrator, leader, all of that, modeling that um, vulnerability and that creative process. So recently I saw, Tim, that you did a TEDx talk and congrats on that, by the way, that's very awesome. And during the talk, you mentioned how you thought you were not a creative person when you were young until something happened. I was just wondering if you wanted to share that story and relate it to the next idea about, is it true that some people are creative and some are not? Thank you, Beth. Um, yeah, so it was really interesting. Um, you know, being young, I just never saw myself as particularly creative. Um, and then I had a, a lucky sort of experience with a teacher um, who took me aside and we worked on a, a project. And you know, just that that act of sort of spending time and singling someone out really makes a big impact. Um, so I, I realized that you know we only had one hour to build Abe Lincoln's hat out of paper. So it's sort of an interesting design challenge, and it kind of opened my mind to what creativity could be um, and how much restraint could actually help promote creativity. You know, when you have a limitation, it really helps um, actually you know develop creative ideas. So, you know, the limitations could be really helpful sometimes. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we did manage to put together a hat. We tried a couple different solutions and we had limited um, materials, but, you know, it, it worked out. And, you know, that, that one interaction kind of like set me on my path, which was, uh, you know, the power that a teacher could have sometimes, um, which is really nice. Yeah. So, you know, I make sure that, you know, I sort of underscore, um, that uh, in my students whenever uh, I can, that you know, every day is an opportunity to be creative and you know, it's all about the process and what you're learning, uh, less about the product. So you, know, you could be creative in, in anything that you do. So you know, not every student I have is gonna be an, an artist, I understand that, um, but I have students come back to me after 23 years you know, and, and thank me for you know, introducing that concept because you know, they bring that creativity to whatever they do, which is terrific. Yeah, that is amazing. And you know, that that whole idea of having like structure and limitations, when you said that, I was like, yes, because what happens then, it's kind of like what just happened to us in education recently is that we've had these constraints and then how, how do we solve this problem that we're in and how do we do that creatively and innovatively so when you said that that just struck me like oh my gosh yes because then you really are working that creative muscle right to um, do some new and innovative things and act on those right and to move forward yeah absolutely and one of the things that's really interesting is 
what's going to happen in education now? I mean, you know, everyone sort of had to jump on and take these creative risks, even if they didn't want to. So I'm just really curious to see like what the impact is on education in the big picture. Hopefully um, it's a positive one and people embrace it. Yeah, absolutely. The new iteration of education is coming, isn't it? Are we in I, it? And I just, I wanted to also build off of what Tim said there again, um, the idea that the process, you know, for me, especially in the transition to distance learning, I've, I've really had to put a little bit more emphasis on the process than the final product. Um, you know, some of my students are in such different situations and, you know, if, if you're stressing all the points or, you know, all of the, the power comes in that final product, you know, since you're, you're seeing them in such a different situation, it's just so much more of a challenge. So I've been really kind of trying to have these checkpoints and progress checks and it's, you do it and, and are you kind of following through with the, the instructions and, you know, getting creative with those bounds of those little checkpoints and getting credit for that. And you take some of the emphasis off that final product. And I think it, you know, overall is a, a successful thing for the, the students. Cause then, you know, at the, the end, they feel a little bit more confident. Hey, I've done well on all these checkpoints. I feel like I can, you know, invest a little bit more into the final product as well. And just to kind of piggy back off of what both of the gentlemen said before me, this is Jesse again, is um, if nothing else, COVID and all of the world events have taught us that we all have to be creative. We all have to be problem solvers. And, you know, as we move forward, I think um, we all have the capacity and the capability to do so. So whenever I'm in a classroom, I kind of frame it back to the students in that problem solving realm. We, we have to think outside of the box. We have to be innovative and um, just opening your mind to imagination, all the possibilities takes it right beyond that class, beyond the art classroom or music classroom. It is actually all content areas. Globally, we need to be more creative and better problem solvers. I think too, um, the conversations that we've started to have, what's interesting is for the first time in a long time, we've actually as teachers been given time <laughs> and i think to be creative as educators we need to be given time to think to read to figure out what's necessary this is the first time in a long time that i've had administrators kind of checking in to see how we all are um you know from a mental health point of view and and you know we've had a lot of meetings recently um talking about what should we keep from this schedule? What should we keep from this hybrid model? What should we do um, as we move forward? Because my school starting um, the week of February 15th will be going back to normal. <laughs> we'll still all be wearing masks, but um, we will be back to a normal schedule. And so, you know, what, what does that look like? What does the new normal look like? Um, and I think one of the discoveries has been we need to give ourselves time um, to digest and to think uh, and to play and to collaborate with each other. And all of those then can lead to creative solutions. I totally agree. It's amazing how um, we are now in this space. And I didn't know if we would get to this space, but where we're having students and families um, really asking us for more off screen time, right? We're hearing that because we're on screen so much to play, 
and I'm hearing families talking about how they are playing together. And there's just more of that time to um, discover because of this. So it's really interesting. Um, and speaking of play, there's a new book published called The Playful Classroom by Jed Jurybury and Julie Jones. And in its description, it asks this question. So I'm posing this to you all. Imagine every day at school filled with creativity, relationship building, community, and growth. Is it possible? So why is creativity important? And some of you have been talking about that already. I mean, look, we've, we've had to have it in everything we do as of late, right? So why is creativity important in education? Beth, that's a great question. This is Rita. Um, I love that question because I think prior to this year, creativity was viewed a lot as a curricular item or a curricular area, content for music, theater, the arts. Um, and then yes, teachers embrace creativity in a lot of other content areas, but I think more so than ever this year, creativity is so important in education because of the concurrent teaching, the, the need to pivot at any minute and, and problem solve, whether it's Wi-Fi issues or airplane items or reaching learners that are, that are virtual. And so I think more than ever, um, I've seen so many, and I think Beth, you alluded to this earlier, um, where you've seen so many different creative things posted on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, there's just been immense sharing, more so than any other year not only from the free conferences, but just sharing like, like nothing else. And I think that has really inspired me a lot as an instructional coach. And it's, it's made me a better teacher moving forward. And I, I'm just really impressed with how teachers in general have um, embraced this and how they have brought their creative minds to the solutions. And, and that's how we've all been making it through this. And that's how a lot of our kids are are thriving and succeeding because we've we've all rallied. We've come through on a lot of this, and uh, I couldn't be prouder of our um, field of educators. Yeah, the collaboration has been amazing, and just that opportunity to share the creativity. You're right. I mean, spot on. And really being proud, it we are um, in a field where we are working so hard to meet those needs. And so that creativity um, on a new platform is so important. One thing that I think that we as educators with the language of creativity being in our vocabulary as we're all sitting here tonight, we talk about creativity all the time. And Rita mentioned all of these things that people are doing currently that are creative, I think it's our job as creatives to help them name that behavior. Wow, that's that's a really creative solution. I like how you're being creative and really start to move that vocabulary into other people's everyday language. So then they can go from saying, I'm not creative because maybe they thought creativity was I can draw to really seeing like really the potential that creativity has for them. I'd like to add to, to what Carrie just mentioned. Yeah, it's 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 definitely easier, especially during times of COVID. Um, for it was for me anyway. Um, I mean, having like technology that everyone's comfortable like using, or uh, you know, that is accessible, 
were intuitive. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what everyone else is using, but, you know, obviously like if, if, you know, if you, if you're able to use a, a platform, I mean, we, uh, you know, I've used Schoology and other ones. I mean, that, that just made it easier to, you know, to hone in on the, on the creative part, um, without, <laughs> without having to worry, uh, you know, without having to worry about, about how communicate with each other. Yeah. Thank you so much for adding that. You know, I was thinking too about this whole creativity and the definition and even in the past, um, because I was an art teacher in the past as well. And uh, I was moving from elementary to high school. And I thought, oh, how am I going to do this? So that summer I'm reading up on um, everything I can. And of course, um, drawing on the right side of your brain came in, right? And so um, I started thinking about that and reflecting. And in the past, we used to label each other as being left-brained or right-brained and right being the more creative, right? So I would label myself as a right-brained person. And this is actually becoming debunked with new research. And what they're saying is that you're firing on both sides, right? Um, and, you know, I was thinking about this with my husband too, is because he is very um, business oriented and here I am in the art, like more creative. But what I find is he is constantly problem solving and creatively problem solving. And of course I'm using my, you know, like organizational skills. And so as I even look at us as, you know, is there truly a right or left brained person it's just interesting. And I think of, I think about that labeling and does that create a box or does that become limiting? And so with our conversation that we've been having so far, just thinking about that creative piece that all of us can bring to the table. And Carrie, I loved how you said, let's name it, name it. So people can feel it. They're in the moment and they feel that. So this makes me think of our schools and believing that um, creativity is only found, found in the art, music and special area courses. And Rita, you touched a little bit on that, but um, does, do we wanna talk a little bit more about that? I mean, do we just put it in those courses or can we stretch it across all content areas? Well, I, I definitely think um, it can be stretched along all content areas and for every staff member. I'll share an example. Um, you know, we just moved into our brand new high school and we, we worked on the design uh, with the architects and designers over a three year period. And we were very fortunate that we got to go and see other schools. And we were really challenged as educators, maybe quote unquote traditional educators, if, if you know, you've been teaching for 25, 30 years what the space could look like and what the space could we could envision for the next 80 years because typically when you build a high school it's going to last at least 80 to 100 years so what would the space look like that would encompass everything that a student needs to learn and grow and to be a successful learner yet still have the functionality of what what educators need and administration and it was just really a really incredible experience and some of our most creative spaces, obviously are creative arts and music, uh, fine arts, they're, they're beautiful spaces. And you know we have brilliant people in those areas and I would obviously expect nothing less, 
but even some of our quote unquote non-creative areas, like whether it's the atrium or the, um, you know, even a breakout room, they're so beautifully designed and they're so creative. And that I think is a testament to the, to the people that were pushed outside of their comfort zones to get creative, to, to read, to look, we, we actually toured some businesses to find out, well, what does it look like in industry and what are some of the progressive businesses doing? And it was just fascinating. So yes, not only can creativity be in all content areas, but I think in every single individual creativity lies, like others have said previously. This is Jesse again. One of my favorite stories to tell is uh, my husband's a chemical engineer. <laughs> so um, thinking about creativity and what they do every day at the Energy Environmental Research Center here in Grand Forks. I love to invite scientists to come talk to students. And here's an example, um, coal ash. What do, you do, what do you do with a waste product to, to eliminate it? Uh, did you know that those are space shuttle tiles now are made out of coal ash? And that was just somebody being creative, right? Somebody thinking about high temperature melting points and that was innovated right here in our, in our little state. Um, so I love taking that to students. I love taking real world examples because really honestly, creativity is everywhere. And I know I mentioned it earlier, it has to be everywhere. Um, it's in our four C's, our 21st century skills, it's in our ISTE standards. Um, we know that it's important for all learners, any age, zero to 90, um, to be creative. This is Kathy. And I was thinking about all through history, all our inventions were because people were creative and they wanted to solve a problem. And a lot of this creativity is problem solving. And that's what we try to teach in every subject that our students learn how to solve these problems and come up with creative solutions, just like Jesse was saying, what to do with that waste product. And so even in our, in our elementary classrooms, I teach elementary, so I tend to be there. We have to start that right away. I started a new program called 15 Minutes of Curiosity once a week, where I'm just getting the kids to be curious. How did this happen? Why is this done? What if it was something different? Just getting them to think. And I am amazed sometimes with the answers kids come up with. They are, they have it. They just don't realize it. And we just need to start that early so it will continue and grow as they grow through the grades. Yeah, actually, um, I agree totally with Kathy. Uh, when I was researching, I, I put out a book, Steam Power, recently, and I wanted to make the argument for creativity um, in being a big reason why art should be paired with STEM. So, you know, I didn't want to just make the case myself because I'm an artist and an art teacher. So obviously, I believe it should be paired with it. But I, I talked to scientists at NASA and other places and really asked their opinion of like, you know, how is art important to what you're doing? And, and I found examples as far flung as like, you know, uh, creating Mars habitats and, you know, how important art was in that because you need something not just to be structurally important and viable, but, you know, people need to live there and it has a impact on your wellness. And, you know, when you're going to go to Mars and you might not come back, you, you definitely need a pleasant place to stay that's going to impact, you know, the way you live. So, you know, there, there's, uh, there's a lot of great examples in places like NASA. And I, I love the example that Jesse used. That's pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a really wide uh, range of ways creativity can be used in all different professions. And I think, uh, you know, like I always like to point out Leonardo da Vinci is like the best example of someone who's unbelievably creative, yet a master in all these different fields. So he's a great example. 
just to build off of the the science and NASA connections to creativity, I know that right now NASA has a, a, a challenge out to a bunch of universities. They're trying to solve this issue of space dust. And I think I'm reading here, it, it, there's like a $180,000 um, you know, challenge grant for this for the students at the university to figure this out. So, you know, creativity manifests itself in many ways. You know, it doesn't just have to be in the art classroom. Uh, yes, and I, I agree with Brendan and, and obviously Tim. Um, science and math and art can, can they can play together. And right, and they might, they might. <laughs> they, and I mean, it's just, it's, it's a different perspective. I was, it's funny how Tim mentioned he never thought he was creative. Um, I honestly, I grew up with the notion, I mean, by the time I reached high school or by the time I graduated from high school, um, I thought I was terrible in math class. Um, I just, it, like I wasn't wired for it. Um, and, and then ironically, I ended up like, ended up majoring in fashion design, right? Which is a, it's like 3D math. So, yeah, it, it, they, they, they can definitely play together and, you know, teachers, teachers might not be comfortable in all those areas. Um, and so that's where I think teachers need to be yeah, patient, patient with each other, right? And, and the collaboration helps. I'm so glad that you brought that up because you hear a lot of STEAM, STEM, STEM, STEAM. And what I'm seeing as a general trend is that most are going to STEAM. Um, because they, they truly do believe in that. And I love, Tim, that you brought that up with your book because that's really one thing as people are starting to think of programming is to incorporate that creative process in the, so that they can see it. It's intentional because often you'll hear educators say, well, then why don't we throw in an extra E and throw in, you know, all an SS and um, and really what we're trying to say is adding that A is really making that intentional piece of that creative process, bringing in that design thinking along with it. So um, I just so appreciate that part. Let's talk, um, I wanna just go back to that curiosity that Kathy was talking about too, and um, talk a little bit about, um, I, I mentioned John Spencer before, and, and I, I have to mention him because I just, I, I've been following him for a while and he just, his thinking is just expanding so much. And I just am loving his videos and, and some of um, his stories that he's talking about, but just recently at a podcast um, and he was talking about how he had a snow day. So talking about our weather and how important that snow day was to his son and to him because they had the opportunity to go play to go play in the snow. And what happened while they were playing in the snow is that his son, you know, was playing, looking around, whatever. And then he was really curious. He got curious and he said, gosh, isn't there a way that we could get all the snow off of the windshield of the cars, you know, and all of this. So they went inside and, and created the science experiment and we're testing, okay, what might work and what might not and went back out and we're doing some test trials and so on. But the point of it is, and he says this, this may have not been like innovative per se in general, but to his son, it was, and he was curious and he was using that creative process and really iterating, you know, the whole design process as well and how that curiosity leads to creativity. 
And so uh, when we when we think about that story, and we think about education, how do we cultivate that? How do we how do we lead that in an educational landscape? This is Jean again, and and I feel super passionate about this, so I'm going to jump in right away here. Um, I think a huge part of what needs to happen is the box of curriculum that we exist in needs to be broken free. <laughs> and I think that um, with the pandemic, we've been given this opportunity to change the way our schedules are, to change what we do, um, what school looks like, what school feels like, what school sounds like, uh, what does it taste like? You know, we have the opportunity to really set up an environment where we foster trial and error, where we foster um, failing forward, so to speak, maybe um, giving students space so that there aren't consequences if through their processes of discovery, trial and error, they fail. I mean, Tim mentioned Leonardo da Vinci. Talk about an epic fail. Like half of what he tried didn't work, at least half. So that idea of, um, you know, a huge part of what we need to do for kids is we need to create a safe environment where they're not constantly chasing grades and worrying about, um, is it okay if I do this? Can I do, you know, I have kids constantly asking permission and I just want to be able to say, go with it, run with it, do what you need to do. Because, um, you know, I think if we build that safe space and if we create curriculum, Rita was talking about the actual physical space, if those actual physical spaces are set up in such a way that they have room for trial and error, that they have room for people to collaborate with each other across curricular areas, um, I think that, that that's one of the places that we need to go um, at, in education. And when you do that, it allows students um, to really learn a valuable lesson, what was learned on that snow day, um, you know, through discovery. And it excites them and they want to come to school and they want to be part of that learning environment. And suddenly they're not just chasing grades, they're learning how to learn and they're learning how to seek more subjects for themselves. This is Kathy. And I also think um, we always would say, well, we don't, the job that the student has right now, we don't, hasn't even been invented by the time they graduate. But now think of the base that these students have. I mean, we have kindergartners who can turn on a Zoom and change their background and, and do all sorts of things. The knowledge base that these kids are going to have is going to be so much bigger and they have so many places to go. But one of the ways I want to cultivate creativity is giving my students choices. I'm not, here's a test, you know, give me back the answer. It's more, how can you show me the answer? How can you do it? And I let them choose. And I think of one story where these students decide to make a movie, these two girls, and they went and they created costumes for it. And they went all out and they stayed after school to work on it. And what I didn't realize, the one girl had a speech problem. And she did a fantastic job. And when I showed it to her speech teacher, she was just amazed because through this creativity, she was able to overcome something that she'd been working on. And so we've got to give kids just permission to try different things. And often I'll tell the students, if you have a different way you want to do it, ask me, because I probably haven't thought of that way. And then, you know, go for it. I agree. 
We just have to let, we don't know all the answers. And sometimes when we've been in teaching a long time, we think, well, we are the only ones that know how this has to be done. And that's not true. Uh, the students have lots of creative ideas and we just need to let them talk. Beautifully said. I mean, don't you just feel like the students have a voice and it's beautiful. Let's hear it. And so let's raise those voices and let them have some choice. I love that. You know, think about those kindergarten students that we have or those four Kers who are coming through the door and they're all excited and they're create and they're bubbling with with this creativity. And if we can continue to cultivate that as the years go on in education, to hear those voices, to hear the, the ideas, to name the creativity, right? And so that they're like, yes, they're empowered, um, that they have choice throughout. I know um, when I talk about personalized learning or even students, you know, having some agency, teachers are, they're like, oh, we tried genius hour at the high school and all the kids just looked at us, like, tell me what to do. And so, you know, I just am so hopeful now that we can continue to cultivate this creativity, name it, and make sure that we are um, really raising that process up, that through all of these changes that we have been feeling in education as of late, that we can now recognize this and make sure that students of all ages have the opportunity to, to be creative, to have a voice in their classroom and have that student agency. Beth, I, to add to, add to that point, um, I do think that part of uh, you know, bringing, in that, bringing in that creativity or allowing that or encouraging that, uh, having that culture, I mean, at, and at the end of the day, um, I guess I guess you call them stakeholders <laughs> have to be right have to be uh, persuaded and I mean that always makes makes it easier to you know to support so um, I mean I guess for me that's that's what a question like how how can you know how you know how how can uh, how can we make it so that creativity is is valued you know in that same like in that way mm -hmm. um, where it's not you know art class isn't you know, art, art and math class can somehow, you know, go together. Right. I love that advocacy and really thinking about those avenues and stakeholders and talking about that. I love the idea of pairing that creative, you know, that what they think, oh, it happens here, but it, let's bring it together. Um, you know, when you think of project-based learning, think of the creativity that's going on and how you're doing that cross-curricular work. Um, and, and that problem solving and design thinking, all of that working together. But thinking about that advocacy is, is really important as well. And so a couple of weeks ago, uh, my husband booked an art tour at a hotel in downtown Milwaukee called St. Kate's Art Hotel. Has anybody heard of that? St. Kate's Art, yes, awesome, Jean. And so um, I, I was, it used to be the Intercontinental, I believe, but now what they did is they created this whole art exhibit. They have, um, they have a permanent collection and then they have some rotating collections, but each room actually is based on an artist. It, it's amazing. So anyway, we took this tour. There was a, a Butterfield horse there. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that artist, but 
amazing. I, I, I was just floored. And then they had, I mean, all of this great artwork, local artists there. In my exposure, it's been a while that I've been exposed to art. We've been, you know, inside a lot. Um, and this exposure for me, it lit a fire and it, it really brought my spirit, my inner spirit to the surface. I feel like I've been doing this so much with my, um, my creativity and the foundation of who I am and just being exposed to that really brought, brought that back to the surface. And then even just driving around, I was looking at how art is infused in all of our communities and how important art is. And I said to my husband, we cannot let art, the arts and the creative process leave our academic environment. I mean, we, we have to make sure that students have this opportunity because it is so much part of our culture and who we are. And so that was just a story that that stirred me up. And I was just wondering if there was any experience out there for you that where you had that experience and how that creativity is just like, it has to be there where you were like, yes, this is it. There's a a, I think it's called a makerspace, um, but it's it's really an educational space called the Playful Learning Lab. Um, and you know, you know, as like you, I've been sort of stuck inside, and it really you need that creative input. You need to experience creativity to kind of generate new ideas. Um, and they put together something called Playfest, and they're the same group that put together OK Go Sandbox, if you've heard of that. So it's a really great creative group that works with students in innovative ways. So you know, Playfest is a, a free conference they put together uh, with all different people, but um, they really stressed the creative play. Um, and, you know, whether it was adults or children, like everyone was really playing together and getting a chance to talk personally. Uh, and it was just so reinvigorating. It was just such a nice experience uh, to sort of have that and get to talk to people that you don't know. And, you know, these experiences that we just haven't had because of the pandemic for quite a long time. And when you see uh, the impact it has on on students, it's pretty phenomenal because, you know, sort of going back to what Jean said, you know, as a teacher, one of the goals I always have is to one day be able to really kind of break out of the bounds and just see what happens to really let creativity run. And the, one of the benefits of uh, the pandemic is that it's given us all more license to experiment in different ways and collaborate in different ways. So, you know, I, I think it's made me a better teacher. I mean, a more exhausted teacher and <laughs> there's lots of other things that, that are negatives as well. But, um, you know, I think, you know, that's one of the, the things that sort of gives me hope about the future is sort of seeing these different ways creativity has sprung up in our world. And Playfest is a great example. Yeah, thanks, Tim, for sharing that. And, and Beth, I'd like to offer this story. Um, you know, when we talk about the pandemic and, um, you know, last summer, I had limited travel opportunities, obviously, like many other people. So I decided I would take the opportunity to go to small towns or nearby towns in Wisconsin. So almost every weekend, my husband and I would travel to a new little town, whether it be Lodi or Mount Hora, Belleville, you name it. And we would kind of stay outside and wander around the town. And I love taking pictures. And even though I've had this love of photography, I never really noticed the beauty right in my backyard. And wandering these different towns, I noticed so many beautiful murals. There are so many amazing murals in these towns and statues. 
And so now, if, even if I had the opportunity to get on a plane and go somewhere, I actually Googled, the, are there murals in this town and what kind of statues and things like that? So there's so much beauty around us. I think sometimes we forget the art that we see right in front of us, whether that's design in buildings, whether that's the neat landscaping that people do in their, for their houses, whether that's you know creative ways they've decorated their windows during COVID, it's just amazing. So I I've really I've really been very my heart has been warmed with all the different stuff right in my own backyard. I think um, Rita um, and Beth, you both told stories and and Tim as well that talk to and speak to that idea of what are you passionate about, and I think that if we as people just people, if our students can see us, not just, you know, as the teacher, but as people, um, and we share those passions with them, I think that can really have an effect. And, and so my story relates to that. Um, I'm a photographer as well. That That is the art practice that I love and have loved ever since. I, I mean, I can't remember. Like my first camera was a brownie Hawkeye little box camera and I've been taking pictures forever and when I got in that dark room when I first got to high school it was magic and I was I was hooked forever and so um, fast forward to college and my college professor I ran the dark room worked for him and so fast forward again um, and as a professional um, I meet up with him he's in his 80s and he says Jeannie I have these enlargers I want to get rid of do you want them so I take them so I take two enlargers. I don't have a dark room at this point, but I do teach in a classroom that's really dark. <laughs> so like I have no windows. And so I've always wondered, what if, could I? And so I said, yes. <laughs> and I think that's another thing with creativity. Always say yes, figure it out later, always say yes. Um, and so I said, yes, and I took them. And so this year I have a couple students in AP art who are just as jazzed about photography as me. And so I said, you guys, look at, we have this corner, it's being wasted. What should we do? We have these enlargers, let's do something. So we collaborated with another teacher, my colleague, Ben Lamp. He designed this PVC pipe dark room that we could just stick in the corner. It was portable. We hung up a bunch of Velcro and we hung up a bunch of plastic, black plastic sheeting. We now have a dark room, it's functioning. We're making prints. My students are excited. Everyone like walks in and is like, what's that black like curtain back there? What is that? And then, you know, they come in, they're bringing their friends in to see what's the dark room, you know? And so it, it all came from this, you know, saying yes and what if, and from my love of, of photography. I'm gonna bounce off that. This is Jesse again. Um, I love what you said about sharing your passions and inviting students to share their passions. And I know, Beth, you mentioned Genius Hour. Um, I had success with Genius Hour um, in grades three through 12, believe it or not. Um, but I think part of that is sharing your passions and your ideas and then giving children the freedom, right? What are you passionate about? What do you want to learn more about? What do you want to change? What, do you, what problems do you see? One of my favorite authors, um, I'm going to look at his name here, Kobe Yamada has some really good books. What do you do with an idea? What do you do with a problem? I even read those to high school students, but it's that whole, and they're beautifully illustrated, is that whole idea that you take that problem or you take that idea and you run with it. You fuel it with passion 
and you create something new that fulfills your dreams. So I, I love, thank you, Jean, for sharing that story because that brought me right back to my genius hour story. And I think once you give kids that freedom, they will surprise you. They will surprise you with some really cool ideas. Um, I had a student who was military child who'd moved, I think it was 10 times before I got her as a fifth grader and very shy, very quiet, hardly talked. I, I suppose she was afraid she was gonna move again, which she did the next year. But the surprising thing is, is not only did she embrace Genius Hour, she had no problems getting up in front of her peers talking. And then by that spring, she got up in front of over 700 faculty and staff and talked about why passion projects, Genius Hour, um, project-based learning, makerspace was important to her as a student and why that was so valuable in her fifth grade classroom. Um, so that just is amazing once you give those kids the freedom, what they can do for you. Oh, that is so goosebumpy. That is such a great story and um, how that, that creativity and having that opportunity to follow her passions gave her that confidence. And that's what we want. Um, and I think we should just leave on that note. And I just want to say thank you so much. I'm so happy, just like what Jean was saying, that you said yes, always say yes, right? And I just really appreciate this opportunity and the stories and your wisdom that you shared with us today. We are all advocates for creativity, and we hope that our listeners are also going to advocate that we need all of that, um, the opportunities to be passionate, to play, and to have a purpose in this world we call home. So with that, thank you so much. And um, I just really appreciate you all today. What an engaging conversation. Creativity really is a mindset. People can be creative in their own way, with their own skills. It's really about exploring the ideas and trying new things that can lead to improvements. I really got attached to that idea of making trial and error a more normal thing in the classroom, having fewer consequences for students trying things out and even failing. If we can implement more of a safe environment into our classrooms to try new things without necessarily needing to worry about getting a grade, I think we can definitely raise the next generation of students to be more critical and innovative thinkers. That sounds good to me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Building Educator Capacity, a podcast by CISA2. Special thanks to Liz Elliott, band teacher at Whitewater Middle School from Whitewater, Wisconsin. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.